Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, and this is unbelievably show number 22. Thanks for tuning in on Saturday or Sunday morning or whenever you're listening. We are on uh, Country 107.7 WDLC, 106.9 WYNY, and Wall Radio on the FM 94.1. 949, 105.7, 1061, 1340 AM, 101.5 HD2, and now on Pocono 96.7. Good morning, everyone. And this is a little weird. I feel like we just took off our our training wheels or something. We've done away with the lead-in music. I really enjoyed that, but uh, YouTube and copyright and all this stuff jumped up and bit me in the you-know-what. So uh, we are currently working with some different music groups to develop a super-duper cool theme. So our guest today, unfortunately, John Clockerty, my good friend, uh, was not able to select uh, his music. But if you are a sports fan, if you are a leader, if you're a college basketball fan, you are in for a treat today. You'll know the name John Clockerty if you're a college basketball fan because he's been part of college basketball for 40 years. We are approaching the eve of the season, and uh, I had asked John to come on the show. So he'll be our guest coming up here in the next segment. I wanted to talk uh, to get started with today's concepts A lot of people ask me as principal and as a referee, like, how do you do both? And how do you make both of them work? And uh, the jobs are actually quite similar. Uh, You might be sitting there saying, well, how the heck you're a principal with your shirt and tie on in a school building with kids. And now you're on the court with that basketball shirt and in the basketball arena. What are you talking about? Well, think about it. Number one, I have to enforce the rules in both settings. We, you know, we are judge and jury. We have to enforce the rules. I'm in the spotlight in both settings. You're under pressure. There's a lot of lights literally on you when you're doing your jobs. There's a lot of emotion on both sides when you're a principal, when you're a referee. You're working with kids. And you have a lot of opinions on your, your decisions. You make a decision and there's a lot of opinions, certainly in the basketball arena. Uh, they might be a little more vocal at times, um, but uh, the people like to offer their opinion when you make a decision. So in reflecting and preparing for today's show, uh, I did want to, what I call, give some lessons from the hardwood. Things that I've learned through refereeing over the years, uh, through great bosses and great mentors like John Clockerty, that have translated to my, my real life. And there are a lot of things out there that you could use in your life uh, to just put some things into perspective and and might help you along the way. So I did jot down what I'm calling lessons from the hardwood. I know some of the fans of the program, Evel, you're listening on Saturday morning. Travis, you're listening. Uh, Kelly, you're listening. My mother-in-law, Pat Grimes, is a big listener. So uh, let's get started. Number one. Uh, and there's eight of them. I jotted down eight of them. I probably could have had 800, but we only we selected eight. The number one best thing uh, doing as a referee that get, goes into your real life is do your best to get it right. Whatever you have in front of you with your job, with your family, you want to get it right. So the more you do something, the more time you put in, the more experience, the more times you're going to get it right. 
we've talked about on this program, not worrying about failure, not worrying about uh, making mistakes, but doing your best to get it right. So that's number one. Number two, use the rules to help you. You know, there's a lot of rules we have to follow. There's laws I have to follow on, on my job. I just took my NCAA test to know the rules. Passed it, of course. Um, but sometimes your decisions, whether I'm refereeing, whether my job is principal, is not very popular. But when you can answer, well, by rule or by law, you did A, B, and C, you're never going to have a problem because you can't just break the rules haphazardly. So when you have the rules, when you're going by the guidelines, you know, you're going to be okay. Every once in a while, you do have to step outside of that. But for the most part, if you're going by the rules, you're going to be okay. Number three, have some pizzazz. As I wrote in my book, The Principle, have a little mustard every once in a while. You know, there's thousands of principles out there. There's thousands of referees. There's thousands of people that are doing your job. What separates you? What makes you different? What makes you stand out? I want to be a great radio host. Do I need to hoot and holler? Do I need to uh, come up with better content? Do I need to get a heavier Staten Island accent? Whatever it is, I want to be great at the radio show. And every once in a while, have some pizzazz to make yourself stand out. What about knowing what to say and how to say it? My former boss is on here. He's going to talk about this, I'm sure, during his next segment. But that is certainly something with refereeing that it didn't take me very long uh, to learn. I remember in one of my first games, I was doing a JV high school game. There's a scrum on the floor. The kids are bouncing around. Kid comes up with a bloody uh, eye. it got knocked in the eyebrow. He was bleeding. And the coach come running on the court. He says, ref, you better start t- taking care of it. You know, blah, 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 you're barking. And I yell back at him. I say, coach, it's physical out here. He said, you're damn right it's physical. It's going to get more physical now. So and I laugh now. But back then, that probably wasn't the best answer in that moment. So this tip, know what to say and how to say it. I listened on the news this week. We're, uh, we're pre-recording the show uh, before the weekend here. So, uh, But just this weekend, the Houston Texans played the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, the owner had a meeting trying to, to, to calm the players, trying to bring the players uh, back with all these protests, with uh, people taking a knee during the, the national anthem. Uh, and, and the guy, I don't know this guy, and I, I just I just shaking my head. He's having a meeting to try to make peace, try to calm the waters. And he says, you know, we're not going to let the inmates run the prison. I mean, think about all the just poor choice of words there's so much negativity out there uh, with the NFL and the perception uh, that the, the, the players are, are bad people and uh, doing bad things, and the NFL is trying to so hard to correct that. And this guy says, we're not going to uh, let the inmates run the prison. It's not, it, 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 he's even got it wrong. It's supposed to be the inmates run the asylum. Uh, but he uh, even goofed that up. So know what to say and when to say it. My wife certainly has taught me that as well. Number five. Focus on the things that you can control. When I'm in that school, when I'm uh, out on the court, there are so many variables happening. We talked about that a few weeks ago with the chief of police uh, of Port Jervis here on the show about the variables coming at you in your life. But focus on the things that you can totally control and get them right. Being on time, being in shape, 
in refereeing, being in the correct position. That's something that I could totally control, hustling and getting there. Uh, in school, being in the right position. If there's an overcrowded cafeteria and there's two people that are absent, you're dang right, I better get my butt in there and, and, and just get an eye on things. So be in position. How about dressing properly? Being, looking the part. Those are all things that I can have control over in my life and, and you know, can only help me. How about being honest with people, admitting when you made a mistake? That's something certainly I learned uh, through, through my boss, John Clockerty, coming on next. Uh, but if you make an error in the game, don't try to BS anybody. Don't try to fool them. Just say, my bad, I screwed that up. Uh, it took me a while to learn that in, in all facets of my life, but everyone makes mistakes. So if you make a mistake, you just admit it. Now, I can't do that every day at school. I can't do that three, four times a game because after a while, they're going to get tired of the mistakes. But if you make an error, just admit it. You be honest with people. Number seven, help others along the way. Do for others. Uh, it was amazing when, when uh, John Clockerty hired me in the ACC. It was amazing all of a sudden that my phone started ringing to all these other people asking about what did I do and how did I get there and how, you know, what did you do differently, things like that. So, uh, and I was happy to, to be a friend and a mentor for, for younger officials and, and people trying to get in the business. So help others along the way. And lastly, be around character people, people with strong values, strong character. You can never go wrong uh, with that. What's the saying that uh, you know you're, uh, uh, the percentage of you is about the five people you spend the most time with, uh, and, and that it'll be a reflection of you. But be around character people, and those good decisions and those good values are going to rub off on you more. And I know I'm going to ask John about hiring referees. That's certainly something that I look for when I'm hiring teachers, uh, core values and, and being a good person. So uh, that is my opening concept here. And before we go to break, Gavin, we're, we're uh, having a basketball expert on here, someone who spent his whole life around college basketball. You shared about your book reading a couple weeks ago. Yeah, are you a basketball fan, Gavin? Do you watch college basketball? No, but, and I, I know nothing about sports. I don't follow any sports, but here is a question in college basketball in general, what is generally the requirement for someone's height? And does that matter as much when it comes to picking the right player? Those are my questions. Well, Gavin, we're going to let John Clockerty answer that question because I, I think, you know, I know he refereed Shaquille O'Neal, one of the biggest human beings on the planet, but I also think he refereed Muggsy Bogues, who was, uh, I think, 5'2 or 5'3. So uh, height, there's all different kinds, there's all different shapes, there's all different sizes. Certainly you, you identify a tall person with a basketball player, but uh, that is not necessarily a requirement because there's so many other skills. Uh, but let's save that question for the boss. Uh, he'll be coming on shortly. So to recap, uh, some lessons from the hardwood, things that you could use in your real life that I've learned over the years through refereeing. Number one, getting it right. Number two, use the rules to help you. Number three, have some pizzazz in your job. Number four, know what to say and how to say it. If you don't know what to say, sometimes it's best to not, to not say anything. As John Clockerty taught me, silence cannot be misinterpreted. 
Number five, focus on the things that you have control over. Number six, be honest with people and admit when you make a mistake. One of our mottos at school is admit it, fix it, and move on. Number seven, help others along the way. Be a mentor for others. Share advice. Share successful tips. And number eight, be around character people. Associate yourself with character people who have uh, similar values to you. We are up against a break here on education, leadership, and beyond, surviving and thriving on WDLC, WYNY, and Wall Radio, and Pocono 96.7. We will be right back with today's guest, former supervisor of officials, John Clockerty. We'll be right back. And welcome back, everyone, to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. We are on WDLC, WYNY, Wall Radio, and Pocono 96.7. My name is Andrew Murata. And this is show number 22. Before I introduce today's guest, I do want to read a little something about him. He'll probably yell at me afterwards, but John, I'm on the other end of the mic here, and we have the mute button. So uh, this is John Clockerty, and John Clockerty was the ACC coordinator of men's basketball officials and retired in 2016 after 40 years of service to collegiate basketball. He served as an NCAA Division I men's basketball official for 30 years. He was named ACC coordinator of men's basketball officials in June of 2005. During his tenure on the court, he officiated 26 consecutive NCAA men's basketball tournaments, as well as 12 Final Fours, including four NCAA championship games. He's received the James Naismith Official of the Year, the NIT Officials Award, and inclusion into the North Carolina High School Hall of Fame, as well as recently into the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. We are very proud and excited to welcome today's guest, John Clockerty. John, good morning to you. Andrew, good morning to you. It is, uh, it is really an honor to have you on, John, and that was from the whistle that we got when we went to the North Carolina uh, Sports oh, Hall of okay. Fame. You had your okay, you okay. had your own whistle named after you. I had my yeah. Well, that was because the the league made it up, or the uh, the officials association. Uh, one of the of, of the two made that up. Andrew, can I interject something here before we get started? You're, John, you're the former boss, but you're still the boss. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, I listened to. Uh, your introduction, and uh, you made so many uh, terrific points uh, uh, all throughout the 12 or 15 minutes that you were on, and uh, and I mean that sincerely. And I listened to the eight things, but one thing that um, that I'd just like to add is, you know, uh, think that your your preparation is is excellent because uh, you don't you can't go through those things and. Pre- uh, and, and uh, bring out and highlight uh, what's important. Uh, and anytime you, you, you have success, uh, it goes hand in hand with preparation. And uh, you sent me the information, you sent me some things, uh, topics that we could talk about, but just the work that you did to prepare for your podcast that, that doesn't come. Uh, I, I don't know if it comes easy, but it, if you're going to have success at it, um, uh, it's preparation. I'll just mention that when I visited one time with Coach Shishetsky, 
he talked about uh, success and preparation, and he says, John, he says, we all want to win and we all want to uh, uh, be successful. He says, but preparation is, is what makes that happen. He says, and I get all these good players, and things come so easy to them that they've never really had to prepare. He says, and it's, and it's been a challenge to him, to Coach Krzyzewski, to take these five-star players and make them understand that we have to do these things repetitively because uh, that's that's going to help us, but because of their talent. And I, I'm getting sidetracked here, but preparation and what you do to prepare for your show clearly shows that you're, uh, you're looking for success because uh, uh, I think you're on the right track, Andrew. Well, I appreciate that, John, and uh, a lot of these lessons – are from you, you know, the time that we spent together, uh, almost 11 years, uh, you being my, my, my boss there. But that was one of the things you certainly talked about is being prepared for the games, uh, being mentally mm-hmm. ready, being mentally in shape, uh, you know, not uh, hooting and hollering the night before, you know, all of those things. So that's right. And if you remember, one of the things I, I said, you know, we, we brought uh, – we brought an individual in to speak to us who was a public relation man with the Bush administration. And uh, and he said to us, he says, uh, understand, he says, first impressions, he says, a, a coach or uh, an employer is going to make a judgment on you in the first minutes uh, of contact. He says, uh, and if you come in there and you look shabby and you're dressed shabby and uh, you, you 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 don't make a good presentation, uh, it's a um, uh, you know it's a, a minus on your side. And and I can remember and and yes, I want my officials or did want my officials to always look professional because if you walk up to a coach and and you look like you you slept in your uniform and and uh, it. it He's going to he's going to say, you know, I don't, I don't know. He's already made a judgment on you. Absolutely, that that thin slicing and John, I wrote about that in the in the book that presentation, and that's one of the things I added to my job as principal. We call it the headline test. You know, mm-hmm. what, what would it look like if if you know you did X, Y, and Z, and it was negative? You know, what, how would that reflect upon you? Um, sure. But John, let's let's ask some some of the questions. You you were the boss in the ACC and uh, the Atlantic Ten, the Colonial, all those years. Uh, and you mentioned you know Coach Shashevsky. You, you work with Hall of Fame coaches. You know what what were some of their biggest gripes, John? What were some of the things that they they, they would complain to you about? Well, you know, uh, very seldom Andrew did, uh, and, and I was with them for eleven years. They. And, in in our meetings or even during the season uh they 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 would call if a play or two hurt them at the end of the game um you talked about getting it right that was your first criteria getting it right well getting it right um makes all the sense in the world but getting it right at at the end of the game is so important because, you know, teams can't recover from your mistakes. And we've had those, and you're always going to have those. That, that That's never going to be a situation where we're going to be perfect going down the stretch. But when they – when we officiated and, and our mistakes hurt a team, then I was certainly uh, going to hear about it. it but 
most of the time, uh, coaches, uh, all of our coaches, with uh, a few exceptions, Andrew, um, uh, understood the officials are out there. They're going to have um, I don't know how many calls a game, but it's going to be a high number of calls, and they're not going to get them all right. So it makes no sense to, to complain about a few missed calls because most of the coaches will say, uh, I made my mistakes also in, in managing the game and, and, and coaching the game. The other issue that always came back and hit me was attitude. Um, they don't – again, they'll – They'll uh, understand mistakes, but any time an official cops an attitude with a coach, uh, he's going, and I'm going to hear about that. And, um, and, and I have no comeback to it because we should never get angry, smart, uh, smart answers. Uh, we should never, if, if, even if he's angry, we need to keep our composure and we don't have to have the last word. So many officials will get in a, a conversation and a coach will say something. Well, if you, it, you don't need to miss any more calls or I'm going to get fired. You leave it at that. I mean, you don't have to respond and have to have the last word. And, and when the official thinks, well, I'm not just going to let it lay there. I'm going to, I'm going to respond to it. And then we get into a, a combative situation and nobody wins. And, and, and I'm getting a phone call. So I, I think most of the time uh, I would say uh, the calls come in when, when officials, uh, you know, you said something, but you can't quote silence. Don't say anything, and you're not going to get in trouble. And that was one of the things certainly you used to stress to us. John, you mentioned about these calls coming in. You know, you you. It's a great job, but it was stressful that time. What are, you're retired now two years. What do you miss most about being the coordinator of officials from the ACC down? Uh, what do I miss most? I think um, over the years uh, I uh, developed a a, uh, a real, uh, I don't know the exact words, but friendship with so many people, such as yourself. You're just one of so many people that I uh, became very good friends with. And, um, and regardless, you, you don't want to lose contact, but you do. Uh, when you step out of that principal's position at some point in time, it, 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 people move on and, and officials move on. They have a new supervisor. And I'll hear from an official now and then, but it, that, those relationships uh, remain strong. Your relationship with me will always be strong, but I'll hear from you two or three times a year, whereas I was always involved with so many referees. I knew your kids. I knew your family. I knew Jen. I knew, uh, I, I knew these referees, and I knew uh, Les Jones's boys uh, and how they were playing. And, and I, I'm not that, – that, that's somebody else now. That's not – in, and I hope I'm making sense. You just move on, and, it, and, and it's no fault of anybody. But I miss—I uh, uh, don't miss the game so much. I get to watch the games on TV and watch Tim referee, and, and so I, I get that. But I, I, uh, uh, I, you know, I miss the relationships, I, I, and, and that's—and that's—I think that's typical. I think that's standard for, for 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 most everything. When people retire from a corporation. They move on, and the corporation continues to, to and the people in the corporation um, continue to do their job. Uh, I, I didn't go to any games last year, Andrew. Uh, 
Uh, I, I, I thought the, the supervisor needed his space and he needed to do his job, so I certainly uh, purposely stayed out of his way. But I hope I answer that question. It's the relationships. Yeah, it's all about the people, and uh, that had to be hard for you. Like I said, you know, 40 years you, you've given a college basketball, and then it, it was kind of cold turkey. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah, but I, I will say this. When, when I walked out the door, the, my league, the ACC, and my officials could not have been more gracious in, in the way they sent me out. Uh, I couldn't have never asked for anything more. It was just unbelievable, uh, the, the show of respect. So uh, I'll never forget that. And, John, that was nice to experience that. A lot of people had nice, nice things to say, but uh, I, I think you – you got back what you what you gave in. You know, you taught us certainly about getting the calls right and, and, and looking the part and doing all those little things. But I think most important, working for you and getting to know you over the years uh, was about being a good person and a, and a character person that you could trust. And I think you saw that the way people treated you uh, as you did step aside. Yeah, um, that was a special night for sure. Yeah. And, John, along those lines, you know, you hired a lot of people over the years, uh, people like myself that you gave opportunities to. Did you have a mental checklist that when you sit and watching games, people always ask me, well, how do you get started? How do you get in these leagues? You know, and I tell them the process of trying out. And, you know, do you have a, a mental checklist in your mind when you were hiring somebody? What were you looking for? You know, uh, it wasn't uh, – Andrew, you, you would think that, okay, I, I like to see a guy uh, be athletic, number one. If, if, if he can't run and he can't keep up and he's overweight, and uh, I mean, I, I won't even stay on the court and watch him. Uh, I need to see if he's athletic and, and, um, because that goes a long way. Uh, our coaches want to see an athletic person out there. Uh, if I don't know the guy, uh, when he when he comes off the court, I want him to sit down with me for a few minutes, okay? And I want him, I, I want to get a feel whether he'll look me in the eye when he talks to me, uh, whether he's nervous talking to me as as, as the supervisor. Um, I, I want uh, you know, I may ask him some pointed questions, even about his family or his work, uh, what he does. Uh, I just try to get a few ideas about this guy and um you know but it more than anything i i trust my instincts and um it, it, watching a guy on a court for a game or two is not it, it, you're not going to know whether unless he's just ha- hacking it up and has no judgment at all but for the most part uh, these guys who come to camp and you look at them they're going to do okay but i I want to see if, if he can run and keep up with the game. And then I'll ask him about a few calls that he, he, he's missed or, or some of the good calls that he's made. And then I'll, I'll, I'll simply try to get a, a feel. And, again, once you start talking to a guy, Andrew, if you're, a te- you're a principal. You're going to have teachers come in that you're going to interview. You want to find out a little bit about that guy. And, that, and you know, you talked about the s- similarities between an administrator and, a, and an official a supervisor. Well, I, I need to know a little bit about this guy. You know, even his, his background, his education, has, does he work with people? Can he communicate with me on a one-on-one? Because he's going to have to communicate with the coaches. And one of the b- best traits that you have, 
that I've watched. You can communicate with the players on the floor. That's really important. So I, I try to get a feel for, for those type of things. But it's it's not an exact science. You just sometimes I've made plenty of mistakes, Andrew. I'm telling you, I've hired people and had them for two or three years, and I've had to let them go. And other guys I've missed on that I should have hired that had success away from me. But it, it, it's it's uh, an instinctive thing. I hope I hope that makes some sense. Absolutely, John. And we're going to talk a little bit about your uh, refereeing career when we come back. We do have to take a break without our great music here, but we do have to take a break. We will be right back, everyone, on education, leadership, and beyond, surviving and thriving with our guest, Hall of Famer, John Clockerty. Welcome back, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, and super excited to get back to today's guest, former head of basketball officials at the ACC and a top Division I official for 30 years, uh, my friend, my mentor, my former boss, John Clockerty. John, it's uh, again, it's a thrill for me to have you on, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about your officiating career, John. Uh, I watched you uh, many a times on TV, and even that one time in my scrimmage at Guilford, you talked about preparation earlier. Uh, here you had just come off doing the Final Four in, in either 1995 or 96, and uh, you did one of my scrimmages at Guilford College. I got to see you in the, in the, in the running up and down. Well, uh, Andrew, um, uh, your coach uh, was a dear friend of mine, uh, Jackie Jensen, and um, who's since passed away, and you mentioned Hall of Famer. He'll always be a Hall of Famer in my book, uh, Jackie Jensen. But uh, anyway, when I was starting out, uh, like all young officials, I refereed the NAIA District 26, which, uh, as Guilford was part of, and they had uh, really good teams, uh, High Point and Catawba and, and uh, of course, Guilford. And, and they had good coaches. And uh, it was a two-man crew, and, and you had to roll your sleeves up, and you were refereeing in small gyms. And uh, you, you, know, you, you had to uh, fight the elements every night, but you learned how to referee. And uh, I, I credit uh, to this day a lot of my success was – refereeing in those uh, NAIA games they were they were hard games and 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 the coaches weren't easy I mean you you you've experienced coach Jensen you know what I'm talking about but <laughs> that, that I would never uh, uh not go up there and help out when I could because they helped me out a great deal uh getting started Absolutely. And John, the game is, is so public today it, it's, it's so prominent there's games on every night what was different uh, you know what's different in today's game than when you refereed back in the '90s uh, and in the early 2000s? Well, you know, I think uh, you just hinted on it. Uh, I, I, I wasn't prepared uh, for you know that that question in a sense, but you, what you just said is, um, I refereed uh, a lot of years where there were a few games on TV, and of course the NCAA tournament. But now every conference game in the ACC and probably every conference game in the A-10, uh, it, it, they're on TV. So uh, if I had a game at Mississippi against LSU, um, the, the, there were no sports center or uh, uh, your misses weren't 
magnified every night. Our, our, our referees have the hardest job. Your job is so hard because everybody is judging uh, your 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 replays and your mistakes uh, on TV. We never, I never faced that until late in my career. Uh, I came off the floor in, in uh, 2001, but even that was 16 years ago. Uh, you, you know, like, and I, I take that back. That was my last Final Four. I came off the floor in 05. 05, yeah. But in 05, but that, before that time, uh, we didn't have the exposure that the officials have today. You're making one or two mistakes, three mistakes, it's going to show up somewhere. And if it's not on that TV, you just, you get it streamed on your iPad. So, uh, you know, and then the game is is so different. it's just so fast. Uh, most people want to play fast, and and uh, uh, the two biggest differences in college basketball, Andrew, in my era, was the shot clock and the three-point line. Uh, there was a time where if you were twenty down, and you didn't have a three-point line and you didn't have a shot clock, the game was over. Uh, now you're twenty points down, and, you, and the team has to shoot the ball every. 30 seconds and they, they can shoot it from behind the three-point line the game's not over and you know referees have got a referee for 40 minutes so there are some of the biggest differences john you mentioned about uh, your, your misses being magnified you know you you've had a million calls over the years probably more how did you deal when you had an error how did you when you when you made a mistake and it weighed on you how, how did you deal with that uh, it, it takes it takes some some experience, and, and uh, I, that was one of the questions. That that I I would hope that your experience and the more experience you get, the more you understand that you're going to have some mistakes. You you hope they're not um, backbreakers. Uh, you hope they're not killing the team, but you can't dwell on uh, a mistake. And if you start dwelling on your mistake, even if it's a glaring mistake and it's a timeout and it's being shown on the jumbotron and you know you have kicked this play, you have got to say, okay, we got to move on. And they're booing you, and you says, okay, uh, I, I, I can't let, I can't dwell on that. And the coach may be across the floor saying something to you. You've got to get back on track, and you've got to focus. One thing I did, Andrew, is I never refereed for 40 minutes. I never wanted to. I wanted to referee for four minutes. I can focus for four minutes, and then I'm going to have a timeout. Then I can focus for four more minutes, and then I can have a timeout. If you think the game is 40 minutes long, it becomes it, it becomes more of a challenge. Just, and I would tell you, Andrew, just referee for four minutes. That's all you got to do, and then referee for four more minutes and break the game up in, into those segments, and then you can focus. There's some, I don't care if, if Andrew has attention deficit disorder. You can focus for four minutes, and then you can focus for four more. Four more. And, and, and even in that period, if you had a mistake, you've got, you got to say, okay, we're moving on. I'm better than that. And don't try to uh, let the coach think that you don't care or it's not bothering you. Just, I got a job to do. I'm going to focus on the next play, the next four minutes. 
that's how I did it. I, and, and I would hope that, uh, you know, that I, I got that message across to, to my referees. Uh, You've you got to get it out of your mind because one mistake is going to lead to another. And then when you make two of them, then you're going to lose confidence. You're going to be second-guessing. A disease for referees, Andrew, a disease is losing confidence because you're not sure of your calls. You start questioning, was it a foul? Was it not a foul? Uh, am I missing these plays? You're, you're going to, to, to really have a problem refereeing the game. And, John, you know, you touched on that earlier about trusting your instinct and trusting your gut. And, uh, you know, so many of those calls, like you said, are on replay and HD. You know, you could see a pimple on the guy's you know, it's so it's so close. Oh. Uh, but you there's plays there's plays that they're seeing that that you didn't get right. But if you had the replay in the slow motion, you never miss them. <laughs> they never missed a call from the couch, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> John, you, again, 30 years uh, refereeing, you know, and you reached the pinnacle. You've been the referee in the championship game. Number one, how, how did it feel like to, to get to that point? And did you feel different afterwards? Like you had really, you had made it, you know? Andrew, uh, people that are around basketball officiating and coaches and our Hall of Fame coaches, uh, they all remember the 12 Final Fours. And I had, a, and I certainly had uh, an incredible career. But I got sent home on a regular basis. When I went to the NCAA, I had 26 NCAA appearances. But I got sent home after the first round and second round. It, it, it took a lot of work to break through. But when I broke through in 85 – and I had the Georgetown-Villanova game, I was assigned the referee in the championship game. And Henry Nichols was the NCAA uh, uh, national coordinator, and he took me to dinner on Sunday night. And we had a uh, – he was my mentor, and we had a special time. And he said, John, you're, you're going to referee Georgetown-Villanova tomorrow night. You're going to be the referee. He says, you need to know that all the times that you got sent home and the times that you went to the NCAA, that you, you didn't advance, prepared you for tomorrow night. He says, you didn't see it at that time. You thought you were good enough to work that championship game. Maybe you were, maybe you weren't. He said, but tomorrow you will be good enough to referee that game because you got – you got sent home on a regular basis 10 years in a row. He said, that prepared you for tomorrow night's game. And he, he trusted me, and then he made me trust myself. And the game went super. As you know, it was, it was historical. And we did a great job. But uh, I had him – he made me know that I was ready to be the referee in the championship game. Well, and I know the Augustinians from Villanova were happy you were referee. <laughs> I grew up in that. I grew up in that you Augustinian think, you think Rolly was happy? <laughs> John, we are up against a break, but before we get to that break, I got some rapid fire questions, John. These are uh-huh. quick answers. What comes right to you? Uh, for you know, the, the, what comes right to you? So, what's the toughest call in basketball? Uh, I believe uh, two things. Uh, well, if I, uh, real quick, uh, block charge still because the defense is so good at knowing, anticipating, 
what the offense is going to do. They're so so hairline calls it. You, you have to you, you have to really really be looking at the right place. But block charge is still the most difficult. Your favorite place that you refereed? Um, Poke Field House in Kansas. Uh, incredible, incredible place. The best player you ever officiated? Michael Jordan. Wow. Funniest thing that happened to you on the court? Well, I'm not sure how funny it is, but <laughs> during, uh, during the uh, semifinal, Carolina was playing, and my contact came out. <laughs> and uh, I, had, I, couldn't, I, mean, I couldn't see out of that eye. My contact came out. I had to call timeout, and Roy Williams has got my lower lip pulled down. He's the coach. <laughs> Uh, no, it was Kansas, Carolina, and he pulled my lip down. And Roy Williams has helped me put my contact in in the semifinals of, of the national championship. I'm going to have to YouTube that. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to check that out. <laughs> the oddest thing you ever heard from a fan? Don't lose your day job. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. Thing you enjoy the most about retirement? Uh, stress-free. That's right. Uh, Andrew? My days are stress-free, and uh, I could tell you, and, and I've never been a principal, but your day is full of stress. And when you're a supervisor of, of 100 referees and dealing with Hall of Fame coaches and every coach, your days are t- always stress. And, and uh, I have no stress now. I could talk to you for another two hours. I, I have no stress. I, 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 I tell you what, my biggest challenge some days is what time I'm going to the gym. I love it. I love it. We're going to have to have extended time here on uh, education, <laughs> leadership, and beyond. What's the most important quality of a leader? You know, uh, a leader has to be a leader. And, and, and I know that sounds, but he has, to, he, uh, he has to lead. He has to hire good people. He has to delegate what he wants done through those people. And then he has to he has to trust those people to do that job. You have people underneath you. You are the boss. You're the leader. But they have to do their job. John Swafford is the commissioner of the ACC. He hired me, and he told me what he, what he felt I needed to do, and he would always be there to help me. But he wasn't going to do my job for me. That's right. He, he didn't look over my shoulder. He and Andrew, you have people that work for you. You've got to let them do their job. As a leader, you're there for them, but a leader has to has to lead. But he has. I Shashevsky has a, a has a lot of things going, but he's not afraid to delegate responsibility elsewhere. And um, and I used him as an example because I I think Coach Shashevsky, along with many other coaches, are good leaders. But um, that's the. Uh, I just feel you got you got to hire good people and let them do their job as as, as their boss. Last movie you watched? Uh, uh, Wonder Woman. Oh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Dorothy was with you and your granddaughters. <laughs> I tell you, my my grandkids saw it and they said, "Pap, you got to you got to watch Wonder Woman." Uh, so I did. It was, it was it was okay. It was entertaining. I get it on the docket for my uh, my two. The last book you read? I know you're always reading great books. Yeah, you, you know, I read. I'm, I, I, that was one of the questions. Uh, I write, uh, first of all, I would recommend, as far as leadership, Colin Powell has, it worked for me. It's a really good uh, book on leadership. But 
Um, Hillbilly Elegy, I think I pronounced that right, by J.D. Vance. Hillbilly Elegy, E-L-E-G-Y, is a terrific book. And then I just put down one, General versus the President by uh, H.W. Brands. I didn't know anything about General MacArthur and President Truman and the uh, the Korean conflict. And I think General Tr- uh, MacArthur forgot to... Uh, who the boss was, and uh, he got he got fired. So you know, I didn't know anything about that. So I, I uh, it was sent to me, and I read it, and it was terrific. Well, and I know you're leaving out with the latest book you read, The Principal by Andrew Murata. How about that book? Oh, Andrew, <laughs> I, I apologize. No, I did read kidding. it. <laughs> I just busted. No worries. No worries. It wasn't on the bestsellers yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. John, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back, everyone, with John Clockerty here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. And welcome back, everyone, to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, and this is show number 22, and we've had a lot of laughs, a lot of stories uh, here with my mentor and my friend, John Clockerty. Before we bring John back in, uh, a quick recap of our opening segment. We talked about lessons from the hardwood, uh, things that I've learned in my career uh, officiating college basketball that translate into, into the real world. So number one, getting it right. Number two, using the rules that are in place to help you. Number three, have some pizzazz. Number four, know what to say and how to say it. Number five, focus on the things that you can control. Number six, be honest with people and admit when you make a mistake. Number seven, help others along the way. And number eight, have character people around you. And we're going to throw in there 8A with John uh, jumping back in. He talked about preparation, and that was a great point uh, that you started with, John. Um, and, John, I really want to thank you again for making uh, the time to be on. You, you kind of joked that you, you more more time on the golf course now, but uh, I really do appreciate you coming on the show. You, uh, Andrew, um, let's hope that um, we can continue some point down the road because uh, I, I, I've enjoyed it. I hope, um, I hope we've had uh, uh, a good time of it, and maybe we'll, we'll do it again uh, before too long. And, John, if people want to listen to you again, I know you have a, a, your own podcast you're going to be doing during the basketball season. Why don't you, why don't you tell our listeners here what, you, what you're doing during the season? Yeah, uh, there's a, a, a writer with the News and Observer. His name is Luke DeCock. He writes commentary uh, sports, and uh, uh, he's very fair. I wouldn't do it with everybody, uh, quite honestly. Uh, not the most trusting guy when it comes to, to sports writers, but Luke DeCock and I do a podcast. It's called The Whistleblower. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, and we have about 10 sessions last year, and We'll probably expand that once the uh, non-conference and conference season starts. Uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll do again and maybe have uh, 15 weeks. We do it once a week, uh, and uh, you can find it on iTunes. And if you enjoyed hearing John, he provides amazing insight. You know, talking real live sports and college basketball issues, and 
Uh, John, we joked off air. We could have talked for three or four hours here. There's so much to to talk with with, oh, yeah. with basketball. But, John, this last segment, uh, we only have a couple minutes left, is a, is a write-in portion. Um, our listeners can write in. Andrew at com. You can shoot me a question on Twitter, at AndrewMarada21, uh, or go right to my website, AndrewMarada.com. And, John, the question uh, for this week's show is, you know, what would be the best way for me to get started in officiating? Uh, for someone that's out there, maybe they're thinking about it. What would be the best way, in your opinion, for someone to get started? You know, uh, there's only one way. And, and, and uh, unless you're in college and you're, you're doing intramurals and you like it and you know, you think you have a, 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 a knack for it, um, you, there's, there's a high, in your area, there's a, a high school assigner, a high school association. And um, that person needs to call the state of New York and find out who that person is. Or if he knows official, if he knows Andrew Murata, Andrew Murata knows a high school official that he could tell, talk to this guy, find out how you get started with an association. Understand that you're going to labor in middle school. You're going to labor in recreation games. That's where you're going to get assigned. You're not going to get assigned quality high school games. But get get there once you've got uh, some experience. Uh, maybe you you may, maybe you're liking it a lot. Then go to a camp, Andrew. I found you at a camp. Okay, but you had refereed maybe years before I found you. But the person that wants to get Get some experience at every level you can get, whether it's middle school, JV, high school. When you think you've got your feet on the ground, say, I need to go to a camp. Well, I'm going to tell you what, there's plenty of camps, and you might get spotted. But the competition, there's a lot of people at those camps. And, and, um, but there's no easy trek up the ladder. You're not, you're not going to get licensed and then start doing uh, – Small college games. It doesn't work like that. You've got to put your tenure in, and, and the best way is to start at, at the lowest level, find out if you really like it. And hopefully you can uh, maybe get a, a fraction of what you've done in the game. 30 years refereeing, uh, 11 as supervisor. John, it's been an honor to have you on the program. Uh, I really appreciate it. This was John Clockerty, everyone, uh, on, on education, leadership, and beyond. Next week's guest is my first former student. Uh, John, you might enjoy it. I know you always respect for the military. It'll be our Veterans Day show is Tim Shear. Class of 2016, and Tim is currently a PFC in the Army. He's explosive ordnance disposal technician. That's the guy they call when there's a bomb. So we're uh, next week's guest is Tim Shear, and we're going to end with a quote, John. It was a quote uh, that you shared over the years. As a leader, never miss an opportunity to let them see you shine. That that's is right. all. Yeah, that, that's right, John. That was yours. I appreciate it. Uh, that is all, everyone, here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. We are signing off. Have a great day, and go out and change the world for the better.